Welcome to Alessia's Divine Comedy, a journey through Dante's masterpiece, a read-along podcast hosted by me, Alessia Cesana Harris. Episode 93, Paradiso, Canto 26esimo, the seventh day, afternoon. Good afternoon. It's about 36 degrees outside right now, which feels a lot more like hell than it does heaven. But we're still with Dante, Beatrice and St. John in the sphere of the fifth stars. Dante made himself blind by staring at the saint to prove whether or not he had a body in heaven already. And so St. John exhorts him to make use of reason instead of his senses and answer his own test, which is about charity. Just to ease Dante's fears, though, we are told that Beatrice has the same power of healing as Ananias, the guy I couldn't remember yesterday, who restores St. Paul's sight. Dante replies she's welcome to do it whenever she likes, since it was through those eyes that he fell in love with her, a love that still stands. However, he then goes on to answer that God is the beginning and the end of all affection, which, capital L, love, teaches him, in more or less intense ways. Then St. John presses him on to go deeper into the argument. And Dante appeals to both philosophy and scripture. Good, by virtue of being good, sparks love of itself as soon as we comprehend its essence. Any rational creature cannot not love God because everything else is a mere reflection of him as the supreme good. The Gospel of John is the book of scriptures which most clearly presents these truths to the faithful, Although, of course, it's the undercurrent current pinning literally everything from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21. Still, there's not enough for St. John to press Dante to dig even deeper, beyond the surface of his answer. He wants to know the sources of this love, talking about how many teeth bite him with this love, which I'm going to take as being a reference to a shark, because sharks are love. Anyway, Dante understands that he is trying to drive him to his professional charity and replies accordingly. The existence of the world above himself, Christ dying for his sake, and finally the knowledge of scripture brought him away from the love of earthly good to the love of God. I'd say being dragged through hell quite literally did a lot more of it because if it had been enough then the whole premise of the poem would collapse but St. John seems satisfied with it. Anyway, Dante says he loves people because through loving the creatures he loves the creator, which is really the kind of unconditional love that is asked of us in loving our enemies. As difficult as it is sometimes to see the spectrum from difficult people to downright evil ones as creatures of God, as much as the best of them. And as soon as he ended this sentence, the souls, including Beatrice, started singing holy, 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 and Beatrice will restore Dante's sight with the usual compliments to her heavenly beauty, and the scene moves on to something quite surprising. We meet Adam, the first soul that God loved into being. Dante asks him how long it took him to get back into a restored relationship with God. We are told first that the sin was not the eating, but the breaking of what they promised to God that they would not do when he forbade it, in case anyone thought that the apple was the real problem. Then he says he lived 930 years, then he spent 4,302 years in the limbo, and then, unless I misread the passage, he had the customary time equivalent to these years of his life in purgatory. Then he answers the question about language, saying his language had disappeared already by the time of the Tower of Babel. 
because nothing created by men is meant to last indefinitely, and even the name of God has changed in the mouth of men. Lastly, he says he only spends seven hours in Eden, and the canto ends. If it seems random that Adam will appear after the test ended, signifying a sort of conceptual split in the canto in two parts, it's not as random once you think about how, for those seven hours, Adam was the only being which had infused the three virtues as part of his nature. In a way, it serves as a crowning of the conceptual theme of the past two cant and a half. The two halves are connected also because we can see charity as the virtue among the three theological ones, which is the opposite of the pride that led to the sin that Adam committed, and I dare say to the temptation itself, given who was the tempter. I am aware that people tend to see pride and humility, but if you think about it, pride is excessive love of self, while humility is correct love of self, which is balanced to the love of others, which is charity. And we've seen before how self-deprecation is not humility, as much as I'd love it to be, since I am exceedingly good at that. And of course, charity is the crowning virtue of the three, not just because, as St. Thomas Aquinas put it, charity is the love of God, but because it is through the other two virtues that we obtain the third, although they all influence each other. That's not to say that only Christians love others, but that the way Christians are called to love, and the way the saints love, is too radical to be possible just with the human virtues that everyone possesses. Finally, the discussion about language may appear a bit random, but it is aimed at showing how human reason is finite and arbitrary, and true knowledge is only possible through divine revelation. Through this series of small discussions of the nature of knowledge, Dante is correct in his earlier positions, mostly in the convivio, with the mature understanding that he reached later in life. In a way, he is leaving us his philosophical last will and testament. On a similar vein, around the idea of knowledge is, of course, his explanation of the reality of original sin, which was an act of his origin, yes, it was about lack of trust, yes, but it was specifically about trying to obtain knowledge that belongs only to God. They didn't disobey and lack trust for any random tree in the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was, in that sense, similar to the sin of Ulysses trying to reach Mount Purgatory beyond the columns at the end of the known world. I think I've covered all of the points that needed some digging, but I'm always around if anyone wants to talk more about one point or another. And then, of course, there are the English commentaries on the websites of Columbia and Dartmouth. I'll be back tomorrow with probably more of Adam's screen time, so to speak. Bye! Thank you for listening to today's episode of Alessia's Divine Comedy, A Journey Through Dante's Masterpiece. Thank you also to Alexander Nakarada for the music, which is fun for 10 or adds if it was not meant as a Roman numeral and is available in the public domain. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at alessia underscore chic or on my blog www.chicandcatholic.com.